My name is Chris. Yeah, I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things, the unofficial Stranger Things podcast. We're back. This is Stranger Things 4. It's all happening. It's all happening. Three years has led to this moment right now. We were such sweet summer children. We thought it would take but a year. And we're like, there's no way there's going to be an apocalyptic event betwixt this that would push this even farther away. And yet we were wrong in that prediction, as in many others. So wrong. So, so anyway, back then, let's focus on the present, on the now. So if you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. We've got a shtick here at Streaming Things. What we do on this shtick that I'm talking about. We do the shtick. <laughs> the shtick. Hey, man, we, how, how you work that shtick? Show me. <laughs> I'll show you. Mm. We watch the show together as a team, like the Hawkins Tigers. And then we hop straight onto the microphones and we discuss the show immediately after. So we live on the East Coast of America. So right now, what that means is it's 4.30 a.m. Our brains are mush. I'm befuddled. I'll, I got to tell oh, you. Oh, you befuddled, bro. I'm completely befuddled. We did a whole uh, Stranger Things uh, D&D themed event at midnight. Mm-hmm. And then we watched some Kenobes. And then we watched Stranger Things, and now I'm befuddled. I'm overwhelmed. I'm bamboozled. So myself. if I say strange things, I'm all right. If you're new to the show, just chalk it up to that. If you've been listening for years, you know it's nothing new, and I'm always like this. Par for the course. <laughs> but let me walk you through how this is going to work if you're new. We're going to talk about some overall thoughts on the episode, and then what we're going to do is we're going to do a play-by-play recap, go over every single little thing that we noticed. And then we do a segment we like to call the chocolate pudding, which is an allusion to season one, and we discuss our three favorite moments from the episode. And then we look for egos, Easter egos, all the little 1980s illusions that we found in the episode. Each of us have tried to take notes and try to find different little special things. And then we'll go watch episode two. That's the way we do it, baby. Did I miss anything? Oh, uh, we got our new segment. We got Mad Libs coming up that will sandwich the show. That's true. There's a new Mad Libs sandwich, if you will. Mm-hmm. Steve's got a Stranger Things themed Mad Lib notebook. So we're going to fill in those little blanks cued by Steve at the beginning of the show. At the end of the episode, we'll he'll read it out and see what, what kind of monstrosity we've created. But right before that, I'm going to get a little business news, okay? Business. We do have a Patreon. So you can go to patreon.com slash streaming things. On that Patreon, if you subscribe at a $5 tier or above, you get extra content. And we know how much you guys love the content. For the content. So like I mentioned, we've been watching Kenobi as well. So we'll do some breakdowns and recaps of that show. But that'll only be on the Patreon for the next few weeks. And for you listeners who are into Stranger Things, we just, like Chris mentioned a little bit earlier... Uh, We just recorded our Stranger Things trivia that will be exclusive to our Patreon page. It's awesome. It's centered around, it's a D&D style trivia game. If you're like, uh, D&D and trivia, Steve, those are completely different things. It doesn't make any sense. Well, tune in, go on to the Patreon, become a Patreon subscriber, listen to that episode, and find out exactly how we made it work. 
Absolutely. It was actually a doozy. Steve spent weeks working on that and uh, it was really, really fun. It was so fun. It was uh, so good. I'm not just trying to sell no. you on the Patreon. I mean, that was a blast. It's really interesting and entertaining. It's a whole D&D campaign mixed with trivia. It was a blast. So check that out uh, if you can. If you can't afford the Patreon, not a big deal. It's hard times. There's inflation. Gas is crazy. It's a, it's a weird world. We understand all that. Not a big deal. You can support the show for free by just rating and reviewing this, this show uh, wherever you're listening right now. Could be Stitcher. Could be Google Play. Could be Apple Podcasts. Could be Spotify. Could be some shit I don't know about because I'm not hip to all the coolest, newest shit. You could be listening on some kind of, I don't know, virtual reality, AirPod set. I don't know. A ham radio. I don't know. Somehow All the way from Australia. There. The AV Club. I'm not as good as this Dustin. This is Mike Wheeler. <laughs> there you go. Do your toilets go spinning the wrong way? I think Do so. You eat kangaroos for breakfast. Oh, yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> I think that's a good, that's a fair question for that kid to ask. So that's what's going on. Steve, uh, just break the ice there, buddy. Let's do the Mad Libs. All right. The Mad Libs uh, today is titled, Where's Will? Where's Will? Are you guys ready to give me the words? Let's yeah. do it. I'll start. Andy, you go number two. Person in the room. Uh, uh, fuck, Steve. Uh, excuse you. <laughs> Adjective. Crispy. Crispy. Noun. Uh, zebra. Interesting noun. Adjective. Uh, let's go with... Caring. Unusual. Okay. Unusual. That is an unusual adjective. Last name. Carmichael. Right. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Verb. Flip. Adjective. Or I'm sorry. Plural noun. Plural noun. Cans. Look at these cans. <laughs> Adjective. Uh, am I only getting adjectives? Uh, let's see here. Uh, is quintessential an adjective? Uh, yes. Yeah, it is. Quintessential. Mm-hmm. Spell that, Stephen. Spell Q-U-I-N-T-E-L. My chicken scratch. Animal plural. Peacocks. Love it. Is it adjective? <laughs> verb. No. Um, oh, no, I had flip. Okay, so I had a verb once already. Cook. Noun. Lingerie. Cook some lingerie. You guys are making me spell words I don't know how to spell. A place. Saudi Arabia. Okay. Uh, noun. Uh, tower. Uh, another noun. A cellar. It's like a door. storm cellar? Cellar? Yeah. Okay. C-E-L-L-A-R. Okay. Verb. Run. Silly word. Flippity gibbets. Flibbity gibbets, sir. Gibbets. Do not make him repeat it. I don't want, I just want to make sure I uh, got the right word there. Flippity gibbets. Yes. Last but not least, I need a verb. Seduce. Seduce. Oh, interesting. Uh, wow. I just saw the sentence that seduce is in. Ooh. Not a good one. Should Ooh, we change no. it? That's a great one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, if you don't mind being on a list on the internet. Uh, I do. So if you all want to listen, that's a problem for me. If you all want to listen to the story, where's Will, that the two of these jabronis just put together, tune in to the end of the episode. That's right. That's going to be the finale of this one. Boy, where's my boy? Let's, Let's kick it off, guys. I cannot believe this is happening. Season four, episode one. The Hellfire Club and Netflix describes it thusly. Mm. L is bullied at school. Joyce opens a mysterious package. A scrappy player shakes up D&D night. Warning contains graphic violence involving children. Oh, Jesus. They put that in the description. They did. 
They did indeed. Then, wow. Unfortunately, that is necessary uh, due to the times that we are in here in America. So that aside, uh, what are your overall thoughts? We'll start with Andy. How did it feel coming back to Stranger Things, even though we just left it because we just rewatched all three seasons <laughs> like last week? Um, but but it- again... It's new. Yeah, to, to jump into some new Stranger Things, uh, the newer things. New Strange. Dude, dude. <laughs> it was, uh, it, dude, it was awesome. It, it's darker than it's ever been, and uh, they're leaning hard into horror influence, and I'm uh, I'm absolutely here for it. Uh, it was uh, really, like, it, it was as if they didn't miss a beat. Like every character was behaving exactly as I probably would have expected them to being freshmen now in high school. Um, and uh, it, it seemed like uh, they, they were able to just absolutely not just pick up with where they left off, but like car- carry these, the characters who I, I was afraid were uh, in the process of aging out of their roles. Uh, it, it felt like they were able to, carry them directly to where now that i've seen it it's obvious that it should have gone and it it, it's wonderful to jump back in and everything about this episode lived up to what i hoped it would have been it was fucking dope steve uh i would just like to mirror exactly what andy said i mean it was it really was like putting on uh you know how sometimes you, you know how you have a favorite pair of pants Mm-hmm. Everyone has a favorite pair of pants. You you put them on. They feel good. You look good in them. They're just comforting to have on. That was that was the show. It was like waking up and putting on your favorite pair of pants. You're, you're saying Stranger Things is caked up. Oh, so caked up to the gills, my man. Uh, yeah, it, it was wonderful because not only did you get to kind of see you know, all of our favorite characters that we haven't seen in three years where they're at, uh, things have changed. I, I last, the end of, uh, season three, I mentioned like, the, you know, season, the end of season three really changed up the show. And it's good to see that they're following through on some of that change. Uh, they're introducing brand new characters that right out of the gate are hits, at least with me. I don't, I don't know about you guys. Um, they're establishing that, this show doesn't do what some other lesser shows would do, where all these characters go through traumatic, awful, terrible experiences in the first season. And the next, the next season, they're just like, oh, what? it's just a Wednesday at Hawkins. Uh, but yeah, they actually kind of are, you know, uh, grappling with the trauma that not only these characters are have gone through, but also the town. The town is starting to get wise. The, the town of Hawkins is getting hip that there's something there's something foot mm-hmm. in this town in the heartland. Um, Helen, the heartland was that the uh, that yeah that, the little the little news burb at the special end thing of oh, yeah. season three yeah. Uh, but no, it was really really fun. Um, I, it was great to see the kids again, even though they're growing up. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's my overall thoughts. Chris, how about yourself? I'm right there with you guys. I think. Excuse me. I'm just a little bit. Bef- I'm befuddled. You're befuddled. I see I, it. I uh, flippity gibbeted. That, that was <laughs> that was rapturous for me. I loved it. I'm so excited for where it's going to go. I've been preaching this for years. I think this has every uh, ounce of potential to be the greatest season of Stranger Things so far. People called me crazy. They doubted me. No one, no one, no one. He's crazy, that Chris. Yeah. <laughs> He's talking crazy. Oh, crazy He's Chris just up there. spitting that flippity-jibbity nonsense. <laughs> he keeps telling us that Stranger Things is going to be better than last year. <laughs> I don't believe him. I won't stand by it. 
I won't allow him to throw that malarkey around. I say, no, sir. That's malarkey. <laughs> You're crazy. We all know season one's the best and it cannot be beaten. Andy, I will not stand for this, sir. Andy thinks season three is the best. But other than that, I do. I, I really do think it could be the best. And this is a just a strong uh, argument for that case right out of the gate. Um, the characters that you're talking about, I think, that are added, I I love it. I love them. I think it's great. Um, and like Andy was saying, uh, to, to take that a little bit further, you know, the characters are all settling right back into where we would expect them to be, you know, but, you know, six months later, but, you know, post-trauma, all that stuff. Not only that, but with the editing and, uh, I mean, this was just a perfect first episode. They managed to uh, touch upon, you know, all what, you know, eight, ten dare I say 11 different arcs nice. and stories and uh, give each one a little bit of light and, and make it organic. I'm not jumping around too much, but I'm also not like, Oh, where the, where's fucking Waldo or whatever. Mm. Um, Everyone knows that classic stranger things character. Yeah. Waldo. What's that scamp up to? <laughs> uh, so I just was so pleased to see them juggle that. And I want to say, I, I, I've been talking about stranger things a lot on the internet, you know, as, as we are wont to do. And a, a lot of people have said, uh, the only ones that have made a cogent argument that the show should have ended after season one uh, were saying things like, you know, the first season was this giant mystery and then they solved it. And then seasons two and three were just them trying to hit the same beats. Right. Mm -hmm. Which I think is I disagree, but I think it's fair criticism. There's definitely less of a mystery to solve in the in the subsequent seasons. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what the fuck is going on at this moment at all. And uh, I love it. You know, I think it's the biggest mystery. So, of course, in season three, we had the rats and, you know, like, what the fuck is going on with that? You know, there was some other stuff. So I think there were mysteries. But so far, like I said, they've had the years to write on this and work on this. I think I'm excited for how can, how befuddled I will be carrying forward uh, watching the show. But I'm so <laughs> excited for it. Um, so let's let's dive into the recap. Let's go. So uh, first off, it opens with a recap. So we get a, a season three recap and then. Opens with what the what they dropped on YouTube, the eight minutes, if you saw that. Uh, Dr. Brenner. He's Holy back. shit. We get introduced to some a side of him we've never seen. Multiple sides of him that we've never seen. We saw his feet. We never saw him shave. <laughs> Hello, I'm Dr. Brenner, and this is my crib. Welcome <laughs> back, sir. Hey, thank you. It's, it's very nice to be here. I just, did you notice I do crossword puzzles in 10 minutes? Very that's, quick. Yes. That's you know why like that unbelievably is? Unbelievably fast. You know why? Why? Because I'm a smart motherfucker. Yeah, we got to see that you're <laughs> a genius. You're very meticulous. Very. Uh, the way that you clip your plant was just very characterizing. Just like very unnecessary. Just one clip a day. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps the... Fungus, so I don't Keeps know how to plant sky child away. That's what I say. Oh, okay, that's a good that's a good saying for you to have. I have many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to see Doctor Brenner. He's very meticulous. He's a genius. He does his fucking crossword super fast, uh, and then he goes to work the Hawkins lab that we know and love. Uh, there's a big rainbow painted on the floor. There's a uh, little uh, you know X Men kids running about. Everybody seems kind of happy though. <laughs> And this is something that we weren't privy to before. Maybe Dr. Brenner was kind. Maybe he actually cared about these children. Uh, he seems to. He's he's much warmer. That's the impression I get. And that's so fascinating to me. He seems to genuinely care for 10 specifically. Like mm -hmm. they've got a special connection. Um, I was, I was wondering. <clears throat> I want to ask this before I get too far ahead. If we were talking about it a little bit as we were watching it. Because we'd already seen this scene on YouTube. So we were you know, only half paying attention. But. 
it, it seems to me, but based on the timeline that I'm aware of in my head canon, that Kali, her sister number eight, is already gone. Mm. This is 1979. Kali is several years older than Jane, a.k.a. Eleven, when we saw her in season two. Uh, it, she had certainly seemed to have been out and about in the world for a number of years. And so, and, and what, Eleven gets out in 1983, right? So, Stands to reason she would have left about four years before Eleven gets free. I don't know. Do you, is that where we're at with this in our head, Kenan? I don't know. It could it could go either way. Honestly, it could just be a situation where, I mean, I guess she have to, would have had to have leave because of she what killed happens. everyone else. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really hope that we do get to eventually kind of you know creep in and see what Callie's up to. What she what, I, I hope they bring her back this season at least in some way to get, to provide further context to Eleven's story, maybe. But yeah, I think that's yeah. what. Part of that's part of what that little opening scene is setting up. Um, so yeah, eleven uh, apparently, 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 <laughs> apparently eleven uh, murders everyone. Uh, yeah, eleven half to death. Bro- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eleven brutally murders. Uh, I don't know. At least you know. I would guess they counted about ten children, and because <laughs> she's Plus eleven minus eight, so about nine children and They're five or six orderly solving a little uh, corner that they had written themselves into. Like, oh shit, there's a lot of these kids, yeah. and we only have touched on two of them. It, it, that was such an interesting scene. I think we talked about it in our hype cast, but it, it's interesting because it, it, it kind of recontextualizes Brenner as a character because uh, as we mentioned he, it does show him in a softer light i mean he's holding i mean they're all holding the kids hands as they're guiding them between rooms it seems that might be like some sort of safety protocol uh there's a nice little moment between he and 10 where he, he you know he's he's playing the game like what did i draw and 10 closes his eyes and he's like uh it's a cow and dr peter's like it was supposed to be a dog <laughs> it's a dog you dumb shit <laughs> I i'm failing you <laughs> Uh, and, and but then it also recontextualizes Eleven because now we know that Eleven brutally murdered a bunch of little kids. Did she do it on accident? Was she on crazy, you know, MK Ultra drugs? Was she is she just a, a young child who was picked on and she has these powers that she can't control them? So she just went, you know, Phoenix Force on everybody. Hmm. You know, it's it's a it's a mystery. I, I'm, and this is a good mystery to solve. I think it is. It's it's actually one of several mysteries in, in this episode, and that's a, that's a huge one for her character. Um, but it's not just the way that he interacts with 10. It's like uh, his genuine horror at what 11 does mm. uh, when he walks in the room after he wakes up. But, you know, what have you done? What have you done? We've seen Dr. Brenner watch 11 brutally murder people in season one. And he was almost pleased by that. Like, yes, working your power is good. Right. So it was just a, a stark, stark contrast with my idea of Dr. Brenner. You know, he seemed like genuinely horrified by what 11 had done. And it makes sense now for the future because of course 11 is seemingly the only child in the lab uh, from what we know in 1983. Um, so anyway, it's just, I never expected this to be the the prequel tale of that, you know? So mm-hmm. it's really interesting, good mystery. Uh, the editing, the sound design during that sequence is phenomenal. Um, like Andy said, the horror is ramped up. Big time, um, big and, time. And I didn't expect to see from Dr. Brenner's POV, a horror short film where 11 is the monster. Mm-hmm. You know, you would, I would have never, I wouldn't have believed you had you told me that Bleeding in 2017 and shit. Yeah. It's like, crazy. I don't think we've seen her bleed that much. So obviously that's a level of her power. We've seen her eyes get all bloodshot and stuff, but never like outright bleeding from her eyes and still not even weary looking really just like huffing and puffing and angry. Yeah. She could have kept going. 
but she don't kill Papa. No, no, no. Mm-mm. Nobody kills Papa. She tried to, but she was like, ah, he survived a door. I can't do anything against that. <laughs> well, I don't know that she intentionally, she, she was just like tens in here. I fucking hate that kid. He's always talking to me through the damn He's always eight like, ball. Uh, eight ball. <laughs> right. Shove it up his First ass. First off, stop bringing up eight. She's gone. We miss her. Yeah. Oh. No, it's the ball. And then she killed him. So he was trying to explain. Anyway, <laughs> say, this is all subtext, guys. You got to keep sorry, up. Sorry, 10. <laughs> Signs point to yes. <laughs> that doesn't make sense, 10. Killed him. That's what he gets. Should use use your words. Speaking of words, uh, the present day, 1986, opens with Eleven writing a letter to Mike, and she is talking in complete sentences for the most part. It's normal. Thank God. I mean, there's still a tinge of uh, Canadian in there. Yeah. But (laughs) there's a a couple like really clever ways where they kind of, uh, in her writing, I think, what was the one thing I I wrote it down like? I'm I'm double as happy as I have been. It's like it's just off enough where you're like, oh, yeah. she's learning syntax still. and grammar, but she's still not quite there. And she enunciates to a, a strange degree. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's like you're not on a podcast right now. You can chill, yeah. garble it up. But still, I'm very happy. Like I've talked at length about how worried I am about how are they going to get out of this hole that they're in about her, the way that she expresses herself. If she's suddenly, you know, super, you know, uh, not affluent, but uh, another a word. Um, um, speaking of which, <laughs> I like words. If she talks real good, all of a sudden, school scare me. <laughs> you know? So, but they, they handled that well. And her hair, she looks like uh, Joyce from season one. She does. Yeah. It's like my mom in the, in the, old, the old photos I used to see <laughs> with me as a baby at the amusement park sitting on the hippo. Does this imply that Joyce is doing Eleven's hair now? Which I want to see that. Oh, that's true. I want to see She's that. like, you know what? This looks fire. There's probably going to be another like 80s style makeover for 11. I would imagine somewhere in this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where, maybe like when Nancy showed, what the fuck's going on here with the hair? You know, something <laughs> like that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's cool. I don't know. I wasn't in the eighties. I was barely there. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was one year old. Yeah, Eleven um, updates everybody. She's updating Mike, like, uh, uh, Will's painting. He, he might like somebody. He won't let me see what he's painting. Joyce has a new job as a We can't gloss over the fact that Andy, well, I guess you, you agree with Andy hundred percent, but I'm like 99,000% sure that Will is gay at this point. And yeah. that's, I mean, that is almost explicitly revealed in this episode right yeah girl, i mean and like starts poking him with her foot and he's like ew girl. you could argue explicitly revealed in season three i just i didn't know to take it literally necessarily i wasn't quite sold on it but it's, it seems definite here to be fair to will if i was in class and a girl started poking me with her foot like that i would have the same exact reaction like no <laughs> jezebel <laughs> i'm trying to learn it's <laughs> <laughs> I got to pay attention Helen to social Keller studies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about Helen Keller right now. And what are you worried about? Wiener? <laughs> I want to know what happened to Helen Keller. Keller. Stop. <laughs> Steve, you were just a damn good student. I don't know what to tell you. Mm, uh, the degrees. Let's paint a picture for you, though. I mean, I know you just watched the episode, too, as you're listening to this. However, so uh, Joyce, Will, Jonathan, and Eleven, who's going by Jane in the public eye, because that's a weird name to put on your birth certificate or to put enroll in school is 11 mm-hmm. uh, is are all in California. Uh, and then Max, Nancy, Mike, Lucas, Dustin, they're all still back in Hawkins. Uh, we don't know where Hopper is yet, but we find out later we, we might know where, right. And uh, that's where, that's the scene. So it looks like uh 11 about to go on spring break and uh, Mike's probably going to visit her. That's what, that's what we're seeing. 
uh, Nancy and Jonathan, we don't know if they're going to meet up. I did want to say something. Why it? What, what was your read on why Eleven was lying? Because friends don't lie. Or was she lying or is she just kind of delusional? Because the letter she's writing to Mike is that she's so happy and she's making all these friends and everything's wonderful. We see in actuality, she has no friends other than Will. Things are going terribly. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what was your read on that? Um, I, I I think it makes sense. You know, you what's the alternative? You're doing the 80s version of texting your boyfriend and being like, my life sucks and I want to come home. You know, I mean, like uh, you're just going to worry them because that's not trying not to worry, Mike. Sure. So I I wouldn't take it as a lie. But she she did kind of seem like genuinely hopeful for the day Mm -hmm. while she was making the little model and stuff, though, or the the diorama. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) As if like. So this is spring break. So half of the year has gone by at this point, or at least some portion of it. Um, I don't remember how school time works. It's like three fourths of the, of the school year. Okay. So all to say is like, she's well established at the school as the freaky girl that gets picked on. Right. So Mm -hmm. presumably she's been dealing with this the entire time. Um, Unless like they jumped in partway through the school year. I don't know. Like they were treating her almost like the new girl when it was, uh, you know, time to go up in front of class and present and stuff. But maybe that was just me projecting onto that. Will seems to have assimilated. Yeah. Is what was my take. And so I think they just don't like her. Um, She does stand out extra, an an extra bit. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, I just wanted to, I found it interesting that like you said in, you know, her name's Jane, but will still openly calling her L. And I, I don't know. I thought that was weird. Uh, does anyone ever be like, hey, uh, her name's Jane. Yeah, there's no L in there, buddy. What? It's her middle name. It's her middle name. Yeah. Elena. Elena. Ellen. Something. Okay. Anything like Eleanor. that. Or just the letter L. Eleanor was the name they gave her, gave her in season one. Really? Eleanor. Yeah, they finished Eleanor. it. Eleanor. Yep. It was when the Dr. Clark's uh, caught him in the school and they were like, she's she's my Swedish cousin. <laughs> yeah. So so Will's bad painting. Uh, yeah, Bad. <laughs> Joyce is uh, in sales, mm-hmm. uh, selling encyclopedias. encyclopedias. Yeah, I had a whole set A to Z of encyclopedias when I was a kid. I had a set that, that came with my house that was in. Uh, came with your house? It did. Like the old guy that owned it before me left them here, and they were in the cabinets above my f- fridge. I just threw them away, but I flipped through first. They were old and wrong, which was fun. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> This the war was about war states' was rights. About yeah. states. <laughs> Ooh, this is an old book. <laughs> this is an old book. Also, Pluto's a planet. Uh, and Jonathan has a new friend named Argyle. Uh, they're hippies. They're smoking the weed. That wacky tobacco. Smoking the weed. Yeah, it's, you know, they're p- from plants that come from the ground, but don't tell Joyce. Yeah, that was awesome. Well, I saw he was waving the smoke out the window, and I was like, oh, shit, we're going to do some. He was uh, massively hotboxing that bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. We're going to do some Dazed and Confused here. And that actor, I don't know his name. Charlie Heaton. No, the Argyle. Oh, Argyle. Oh, okay. No, I don't know that guy's name off the top of my head. He was in that comedy slash horror-ish weird movie where the guy gets his dick chopped off and they have to put it on ice and they spend the entire film trying to get it to be reattached. And that's the the story of that film. Oh, my God. Um, I don't think I've seen it. It's on Netflix. I forget the name of it. But he's... Teeth. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) He's hilarious. Uh, But anyway, so Jonathan's got a new friend named Argyle. Um, And yeah, spring break's coming. 
Uh, they don't like Eleven like we touched on. She gets hit with a spitball in the next scene. And then we cut to check in on Susie. Mm, sorry, Eduardo Franco is Argyle's. Eduardo head. Franco. Okay. okay. Uh, we get to check in on Susie. It looks like Dustin. Uh, it, and I was confused by this scene. So he's calling Susie. Obviously, she he's getting her to hawk, hack into Hawkins and change his grade because he got one D minus. And she's very disappointed in him for that because she's a yeah. genius. How is she doing this? I'm confu- forgive me, but was there like Internet at this time? <laughs> a very crude form of it. Uh, uh, DARPAnet. I, I don't know. I was yeah. looking at the IT guy and the other nerd. I, I I don't know. <laughs> so I mean, I know there was, but yeah, like it was it wasn't like a like boards and stuff open to the public kind of internet yet, right? No, so. it was a closed system. So it's one of those things where I don't how this girl in Salt Lake City, Utah, is getting access to the computers of Hawkins, Indiana. Yeah, I don't understand at all how that. There's like she didn't have a fucking modem. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, that that's a little bit of movie magic, I think. But I do like the scene where she turns around and looks at the. Oh, so good. Looks oh, at Jesus. Jesus. I'm sorry. Right you before know, she does it, like, oh, y'all just have to get forgiveness later. I was curious about this because because we always knew that Susie was from Salt Lake City. And I always wondered, I wonder if Susie's Is Mormon. She Mormon? Yeah. yeah. And then she turns around and sees that Jesus. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> oh, man. You're going to have spooky Mormon hell dream. Spooky Mormon hell dream. <laughs> uh, and then we cut to, we get to check in on my favorite duo nowadays. Uh, Steve and Robin and uh, they're driving along in the car. I'm a little confused by where they're at with this too. So I get, is Robin still in high school and Steve's not? I think so. So Robin's in the band. She's like a senior and Steve's graduated. He's just going with his friend. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's going to the pep rally to accompany her. She's got a crush on her fellow band member. And remember from season three, we found out that she's gay. Uh, And so they, they talk a little bit about, uh, the differences in their love lives with that, right? So yeah, Steve's like, "Hey, you ask a girl out, and she, th- that's the worst thing that can happen." No big deal. She's like, "Wrong, wrong." If I <laughs> ask a girl out, fast times at like fifty-eight minutes. Uh, obviously, she likes boobies. Yeah, because yeah, well, that was Steve's proof that yeah. he thinks that's one hundred percent verified. That because remember he they work at Family Video, so mm-hmm. hey. Vicky returned that tape, uh, paused at 53 seconds or 53 minutes. Yeah. Which is, I assume, the Phoebe Cates scene. Uh, so yeah, it has to be. <laughs> so anyway, that was a really funny, endearing moment. Um, Got to love Robin and Steve. Uh, and then we cut to the pep rally itself. Uh, I forget the guy's name, but he's like the team captain. Uh, Luke Chad. It's 100% Chad, right? It has to be Chad. <laughs> <laughs> he's a total Chad. And I, I wrote grandiose sport ball because this is totally how it is, too, from my experiences with it, which are very little, to be to be honest. But but were pep rallies when you guys were in high school, did they have the pep rallies at 7 a.m. first thing in the morning, like here? No. No. Like, it was in the middle of the day. Yeah, and lun- around lunch. And I hardly ever went. Yeah. Like, I would, they let us not go. I was in the crew that. Oh, we had to go. I was like in the uh, Eddie Munson crew, but we didn't play D and D. But we were all dressed that way, mm-hmm. uh, and they just didn't want us. Exactly. They didn't even want us there. Yeah. yeah, they let us sit in the lunchroom. So, but anyway, uh, yeah. So grandiose sport ball. He like he's relating it to the events of season three, where we lost, I think, twenty or thirty members of Hawkins died. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's bringing it all back to why they got to win the game tonight. You think they died for nothing? Right. <laughs> no, they died so we could win this sports ball game. I, yeah. I also thought it was weird. They're like, here's the basketball team. Now the team captain's going to do a Speech. tight set. <laughs> a tight set. Yeah. <laughs> tight five. <laughs> no teacher's going to introduce him. He's no. just going to grab the mic from the principal. Like, All right, nerds. Time to talk about shooty hoops. <laughs> shooty hoops, which is originally what it was called. 
Um, yeah, and then we get a little uh, weird look between Lucas and Max. We find out later that Max and Lucas have broken up, and then Max has kind of been a loner ever and since. Lucas is on the sports ball team. We get a couple weird looks because crew cut. Yeah, Lucas is on the basketball team. Mike and Dustin are are there in the crowd trying to show some support. But you can tell they're also kind of like. Sports, cool. The Hellfire Club, we should say, is the Dungeons and Dragons Club that they're all members of. Even Lucas, they're all still playing that. Um, I just find it strange, and I'm a little disappointed, especially in Mike, because I hate him the most, uh, that they've allowed (laughs) Max to isolate herself like this after the tragedy. And they all seem to have moved on. Like, eh, should be all right. And that's disappointing, because she lost not only her brother, but her new best friend, Eleven. Well, well, that's a good thing about Lucas is even despite the fact that she broke up with him, you can he's just trying to help her. See that he's really worried about her and he's Mm -hmm. trying to help her out. In the but he's pretty bad. He's a he's a foot and mouth guy, right? Very much so. That's unfortunate. He's the only one trying. Well, I mean, we also got the little bit where Dustin tried to invite her to play Dungeons and Dragons with him, and for him though, he was afraid of Eddie and he wanted to fill that spot. For sure. But she was like the 13th one he asked. For sure. <laughs> the, 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 her reaction gave me the vibe that she has. They have made many attempts. That she kind of doesn't want anything to do with them. Like they're probably reminders of the tragedy. And sure. she just, you know, wants to live her life or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. It just sucks. Yeah, it's tough. You, you don't like to see a character that you like be in a bad situation. And it's probably not going to get good anytime soon. No, it's going to get way worse. I will say, <laughs> I think this is the first episode since, you know, probably the first season where Mike Wheeler wasn't a total miserable. That's true. Yeah, I actually true. really liked him. Like that. Yeah. Tell yeah. me yeah. things. Yeah. Was yeah. That was a really good line. Mike was being fun for sure. I have to begrudgingly admit that. Um, so anyway, Lucas is on the team. We find out the championship game of the, for the basketball, whatever the fuck it's called, the balls. Shooty hoops. The shooty hoops game is that night. Balls and laundry it's baskets. the same night yeah. as the big finale of their D&D campaign for the Hellfire Club. So they, they got to ask Eddie, the new character we're about to meet here shortly, uh, the king of the Hellfire Club, the, the, the dungeon master, if you will, if they can move the D&D event so they can go to Lucas's game. Uh, that's going to go swimmingly. Don't worry. Because Lucas just wants his friends to support him. He gave an empowered speech about how he doesn't want to uh, be himself anymore. He wants to sell out and act like he's someone else to have friends, which is probably really good for his growth as a person. He wants to be popular. And uh, that's the, he almost sold uh, Dustin and, and Lucas or uh, Dustin and Will. What the fuck is it? Mike. Mike. I don't like saying his name. <laughs> Will's in California. Like, yeah, man. yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I'm painting. <laughs> and we cut to uh, Joyce and she's receiving a strange package with a bunch of stamps on it while she's trying to sell some encyclopedias with and a very friendly ma- mailman. Yeah, super friendly. It's like Andy's mailman. He's like, don't worry, Joyce. They send these college acceptance letters on the weekends. You still got time. Tell Jay Birdie's going to be fine. <laughs> Andy's a man. How's your mother? Andy's mailman follows him on Facebook. So yeah. I didn't see it was weird my, my at all. My mailman's super nice. <laughs> I swear to God, He's he does. He's a cool dude. And uh, in inside. You guys, you, guys, you guys hanging out? No. 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 Inside. You guys doing some Facebook uh, hangs? <laughs> we just high five every Twitter. now and then, Steve. Google Meets. Some Google Meets. Uh, what's his name? Let's get him on the podcast. <laughs> Inside the package is a Russian doll. And because we watched the trailer, we all assume where that was going. Uh, cut back to 11. She's in class about to uh, present her presentation. She follows the fucking Helen Keller girl. What's her name? Amber? Angela. Angela. I knew it was an A. Oh, I wrote it right above that. Uh, yeah, Angela did a Helen Keller presentation. She's kind of a bully slash teacher's pet, valley girl. It's 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 a sad situation. And then Elle did her presentation because it was on heroes, famous heroes. She chose her dad, uh, Hopper. 
And I have not hated anyone as much as I hate Angela since Mike. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I yeah. hate her. I hate her worse than Mike. I was having this moment with Elle. Uh, you know, even though I know Hopper's fine, it was still like really, you know, I lost my father. Not to get too emotional here on the podcast, but I'm enjoying this moment. And that motherfucker, <laughs> <laughs> she's making all these jokes about how you did the project wrong. And I was very upset. That the was way very she, hard to watch. The way she did it, too, was like, uh, Mrs. Whatever, am I to understand right. that uh, you could choose anyone to be your hero? I thought it was supposed to be, you know. Yeah, and why is the teacher people. allowing her to like openly bully her like that? Like, it's she's right. definitely not answering, asking innocent questions. I know yeah. that I already did the project, and so it doesn't apply to me because I literally just presented. But... Um, I didn't know we could be a dumb bitch teacher. Is that okay? <laughs> like she's being very blatant about it. I was also, and again, I'm very sympathetic and this will come into play more. I'll just leave it for then. But like it, this goes back to all the way back to season one. It's such an, it's such an eighties movie trope. Sure. To have the, the, the bullies of the high school picking on the main characters to be absolute 110% sociopaths. Like we had Troy in the first season who were like, Hey losers, heard your friends missing, possibly dead, but you're all gay. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, what little fucking monster are you? And then you have this girl in 11. It's like, my dad's my hero. He saved a bunch of people. He, you are probably aware that he's dead. I assume, or at least sure. I'm visibly upset that you're mocking him. And then she's just like really digging in. And then she's got her little toadies in the background. Like good one, Angela. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you really got her. <laughs> and he's got like his jean jacket rolled up sleeves. And they like, are ah. like caricatures. It, it, they totally it reminded me a little bit of Callie's crew from the lost sister, where it's just like over the top trying, you're writing about like a, uh, these characters that you saw in a cartoon once when you were a kid, mm-hmm. as opposed to like trying to make them come across as even remotely human. Um, but even still I'm with Chris on like, it was emotionally impactful and it, oh, yeah. it, it made me hate the girl, you know, and, but, and kids can be really cruel to one another. Mm-hmm. That is for sure. And, yeah. and, and like you said, it's an eighties trope as well. And uh, it just, it really hit me hard. Like it's supposed to, it's very much what it's designed to do yeah. uh, because I have that emotional attachment to Hopper, uh, and I know everything that Eleven's been through, and I know what she could do to these people uh, if she wasn't, day, yeah. yeah, on a normal day. If she wasn't like uh, inhibited from her powers temporarily. I did like that she was looking to Will, and Will's in the back, like, "Oh, you can do it." Go on, I, that's on. what I was going to say. I wanted to plant a flag, but it bothers me a little bit. And like I said, I'm sympathetic because I know he is trying. He's very supportive. He's there for her. Somehow they got in the same classes and stuff. That's great, um, but he doesn't actually do anything. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't stand up for her. He's just like emotional support. And maybe it's like a, Oh, you got to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. But in the second scene where she's actually physically being bullied and he's just watching, it's very upsetting because mm-hmm. it's like, well, that's also not, you could run up. You could say, Hey, leave her alone. That's anything. not really, that's not will though. Sure. Like, I don't think will's the type that of man has survived would. things that 99% of humans could never imagine. For sure. I think he's probably not scared of Angela at this point, even though he's a shyer I, person. So I don't know if he's scared of her, but he's definitely, he's not comfortable around human beings. He's not comfortable around people that aren't his core group of friends. Like he's, he only ever interacts with Joyce, Jonathan, his friends and everyone else is, he's very like, uh, 
he's just not sure. comfortable around it's it. It's a and, fair point. And, though. All the stuff that he survived, he just did by hiding. It's not like he ever confronted anything or did anything heroic. And the one time he did confront his fears, he did mess him the fuck up. Remember when Bob Newby's like, turn around and say, go away? Yeah. He turned around and said, go away. And he got a whole mouthful of uh, uh, smoke monster. Smoke monster sandstorm stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's no good. Mm-mm. Still feeling the he, little tingles. He's from afraid that. that if he goes up there and he like goes up to Angela, and he's like, "Go away!" She's, she's just, just gonna start sticking f- her fingers <laughs> in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I might have to get six heaters strapped to me. Oh, I hate this. This that, is the worst. Jonathan, play the Clash. <laughs> one fucking uh, bully though. The diarrhea, more like diarrhea. Am I right? <laughs> he crushed it though. That guy's a genius. The word was he's articulate. The A word. Where Thank like, you. Speaking better. Now. Thank you for twenty minutes I later. Thought, I thought of it, but I was like, guy bring, who also has a degree in English. I'll bring it back. And is never able to help me. <laughs> so we cut back to Max. She's not talking. She's just walking around with her Walkman. Um, she sees uh, who we later find out is Chrissy. By the way, Chad, the team captain, the head cheerleader's name is Chrissy, and that's his girlfriend that comes into play later. Uh, but Max, Chrissy comes upset out of the counselor's office, and Max goes in. She's got bad grades. We find out that uh, her mother and her stepdad have split up. Her stepdad, of course, is uh, Billy's father, so I assume he just went off the deep end. Um, they've moved into a crap hole now, and she's her mom's drinking a lot. And... Uh, <sighs> Max is getting these headaches. I pause because I don't know if we want to talk about it later. Do you guys think anything about these headaches? Is it just stress, some kind of depression, or is it supernatural? I do think that that is planting the seed for something that's going to get brought up later. I don't, I don't have an opinion on it yet, but I, I, other than to say I do think that it's hinting at something. Sure. Okay. I know in our uh, predictions, we kind of mentioned that, you know, Max could be supernatural, but something happened at the end of the episode. I'm like, oh, maybe it's not Max that's supernatural. She's just being the victim of something supernatural. Oh, 100%. Yeah. That has got to be what ha- That's what I'm saying is yeah. like, do you think that seed has already planted for Vecna to be messing with Max? So I think what we get is my theory, which is almost certainly true, just based on what I've seen. Um, you know, the the fate of Chrissy is just to cue us up for fear when things begin to start happening to Max, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's like the effect, it's like Scream. You know, you get the Drew opening Barrymore. victim, the Drew Barrymore, and then you're scared for your, your Nev Campbell, right? Mm-hmm. So Max is Nev Campbell. Chrissy was Drew Barrymore. You see what I'm saying? Uh, dude, I'm picking up what you're throwing down. It's obvious what I'm saying. I'm just making it dramatic. Uh, and then it cuts to uh, Lucas, you know, trying to confront Max. We talked about that a little bit later. She's not having it. Hey, we come to my game tonight. I know we're broken up. It's all good. I just want you to be okay. She's like, yeah, what's up? I'm fine. She goes in the bathroom. Very clearly not fine. Takes a couple of Tylenol. Turns around and sees a cheerleader vomiting. I thought, first thing I was like, oh, we, well, <laughs> this is high school. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But no, it's something a little more sinister. And it is Chrissy Cunningham that's in there vomiting. Um, and but may I say, and may you say, sure, may I say, Hawkins, you know, great job. You have successfully planned and created and made the world's creepiest fucking bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that was t- well, it's it's the eighties, man. Yeah, like as soon as you know, you Max could have been in there washing her hands, saying "Happy birthday to you, Happy <laughs> birthday to you." But in that bathroom, it would still be creepy as shit. Yeah, I, I thought we were gonna get a Candyman crossover for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. I don't know. Yeah, we didn't know what was going on. We still don't. We still know. see we see the feet underneath the door. Vecna's so it's, feet. It sounds like her mom at first, and then it like does the vocal 
transformation. It was kind of like something out of like Evil Dead. Uh, it was really cool. Uh, she says, "I'll gut you like the fat pig that you are." I was like, "Let's fucking go." That's some Evil Dead shit. Yeah, yeah. There was a there was that uh, passive aggressive like, "Oh, I made the dress bigger for you," like implying that she does suffer from some sort of. You know, yeah, it was like a bulimia related thing, right? Yeah, for sure. Like it, maybe this this Vecna character preys off people who are emotionally traumatized by something. So she's emotionally traumatized by her obviously uh, uh, abusive, m- m- emotional, her, emotionally abusive mother. Her mother, and, and maybe and that eating leads, disorder. Yeah, maybe that leads to why and maybe Max her gets father affected. never stood up for her, which is why in the vision at the end he had his mouth sewn shut. Mm, yeah. Um, as to say, just, eyes. See, he just sits in his chair and just pretends not to notice what the mom's doing to Is her. Chrissy, the girl that uh, Max walked past. Uh, yeah. That was mm-hmm. co- also coming out so of the had, counselor. So maybe she's dealing with. That. Conceivably was in the counselor's office trying to talk about what was going on. Oh, I just put something together. So Max has headaches. Do you think Chrissy also is suffering from something? That's why she's going to Eddie for drugs. Well, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think she's trying to black out these she, visions that she's having that are she was visceral. Like, even even if weed's not strong enough, you know, she wasn't like, I'm down to party. Let's do ketamine. You know, I mean, it, it was like something's wrong with me and I, I want it to go. Away. What did they call it? Circle K? Uh, special special K. K. Special K. Circle K is the gas station. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking um, cereal, Stephen. We'll get to that. Why does she a, need gas? We'll get to that in a second. We're almost there. Dustin uh, tells Eddie that they're, they're not going to make it. And then we get that whole lunchroom introduction to Eddie Munson and the gang. And I adore this character. I have not loved a character this much immediately. Maybe ever, because even Steve, it took an entire season. And then the reveal with the baseball bat at the end to really like him. And then his debut in season two, when he pulls the bat out of the trunk and you see him with Dustin and them like that's, so, yeah, I mean, just instantly they spent they gave him a little monologue and he's got all the swagger of Billy, but none of the bad stuff. And, you know, he's got the charm of Steve, the swagger of Billy. I'm down with Eddie. How are you guys feeling about Eddie? Big De- Detroit Rock City vibes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, he was awesome. They even played that song. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. They literally played. It. I was talking about the movie, but yes. Yeah. No, I know. Uh, <laughs> um, I think those two things are very much on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, no, he was awesome. Yeah, he was immediately grab. Uh, he just magnetic is the word. Like as soon as you see him, you understand why he's got this little cult of personality amongst you know his little Hellfire Club. Yeah, stu- uh, Stooges. Uh, and he's like twenty, right? He should have graduated a couple years ago. Yeah, so he he's been held back a couple years, but he's he's very charismatic and the way he kind of like jumps on the table and he's like calling out all the other. Uh, Clicks, clicks as it were um he's he, doesn't he like jump off the table and he scares a passing teacher he's like sorry yeah you're like a little finger gun yeah uh just a, an immediately likable dude and you can understand why dustin and mike kind of like look to this dude uh and the and the other thing i liked about this character and we'll kind of like touch on it more and more as this episode progresses but i love how even though you're immediately drawn into him and you like how charismatic he is and he's so funny, there's just a touch of something wrong to where a lot and a lot of this episode, I'm like, ooh, is Eddie the bad guy? Is he going to be the bad guy of this season? Really? Ooh. That's the vibe you got? Oh, well, I got like a very hint of it. Like, ooh, he could be. Tiny like, little hints where he'll like suddenly grab the kids and like you, you like throw them around, kind of manhandles it. He, mm-hmm. he does that several times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's got like these minor little, I, I, I don't know if you call them. I was going to say, I don't know if you call it a microaggression because literally manhandling somebody is a bit more than that. 
But uh, yeah, I, I got the tiny hints of. Plus, he also is a drug dealer, and like that's not necessarily a bad thing. But he, in he, the in the context of an eighties thing, it, it almost always. Yeah, but he's is. like a weed dealer. Oh, he's selling ketamine too. No, he like knows where to get some because his uncle has some and shit, right? Like he was real confused about her asking for harder drugs. And it took I him, was wondering about that too because he was like, I don't know where it is. It took and him I'm like, so long to find it. It's not like he frequently sells it or uses it. You yeah. know what I mean? He just knew where it was ish. But they also frame him in ways that are, are a little, uh, not seedy is not the word, but there, there's a little something. I think you guys are being real squares about no, no, Eddie. No, no, no. Here, so here's the thing. So here's the thing. So you get the little point where he's like, oh, is he a little bit of a bully? Is he kind of a megalomaniac in his club in the first scene? We have a scene later on where he meets with, up with Chrissy in the woods, but the way that scene, he's introducing that scene, it's like horror film, horror film. There's Eddie, and at first he's not super like, he's a little intimidating to her, and then he kind of ch- changes on a dime, and he's like, no, I'm actually really cool. And you're like, oh, he is cool. And then later on, he actually has the cult of Vecna, and as people going into the season, you're like, oh, we know Vecna is the name of the, the villain. Is he somehow involved with this? And then up to the point of the end of the episode where they're like, oh, more creepy shit with Chrissy's happening. And he's there with her up until that very last part. I was like, ooh, is this where they're going to turn and be like, he's he's in on it? Or he's wow, the I did not get that vibe at all. Like, I thought they were going to be like, hey, remember how Billy was being used by the Mind Flower? This kid's also being used by the villain, but he's just way cooler about it than Billy, who's just all aggro all the time. Yeah. This is just a more like you know, unconventional. He, he, he's the snake oil salesman who like lures you in with his charms. It's like, aha monsters. But I don't think that's the case now, but well, it's I, almost, I, but definitely I, not. I loved how they kind of like toyed with it just enough. We were kind of like, Hmm, I like this guy, but I'm uh, not too sure. That's very interesting. I was not picking up on those vibes at all. I did get the like evil dead, uh, one, maybe two vibes when she was in the forest uh, and we saw the little, so we see this like little clock in the tree and that, I think that clock becomes a motif throughout the entire mm-hmm. season from what the Duffers were, Duffers were saying. Um, but yeah, so she goes to buy drugs from, from Eddie in the woods and it ends up, you know, by the way, weed was really cheap back then. Yeah, no $20 sure. for a half an ounce. That's incredible. Um, I know that inflation <laughs> and weed wasn't as good back then, blah, 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 but wow. Uh, and she wants something a little stronger, but yeah, so we'll get to that later though. Uh, we'll cross off the uh, uh, Chrissy buying drugs. Uh, cut back to Joyce. Joyce calls Murray. Murray Bauman's doing some Taekwondo, some karate or something like that, making an ice <laughs> bath. Uh, and Joyce is like, hey, I just got a Russian doll in the mail. And he's like, well, it's clearly a bomb. Uh, duh. <laughs> and uh, he's like, wait, take his clothes off. And she's like, it's got nipples. And then he's in the, it's always some weird <laughs> shit with Murray in this show. And he, you hear him, he's in the bath is what's really going on. But on her end, all she hears is, oh, yeah. It's an ice bath. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and ultimately he says, you know, you need to break it from really far away. It takes me a long time to figure out what the fuck's going on with it. I was like, why don't you just hit yeah. it with a hammer? Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Like, why are we doing this whole Rube Goldberg this, device? Why are we doing playing home alone with this doll? Just knock it off the fucking table. Yeah. Done. It's porcelain. But she sees a little crack in the porcelain. So there might be something in there. Murray assumes it's a bomb since it's from Russia. Um, and we'll get to that later, but she, well, let's just, she, she finds yeah. a note says hops alive. It's got magazine letters cut out on could it. Could you guys read what the rest of it said? Cause yeah. I could I only, just saw I only hop is alive. The, yeah. yeah it went by too quick. It. We're not the pause the show and break the news to our listeners kind of people. They just watched it. You can pause it on your own guys. Mm-hmm. Come on. You got to meet us halfway here. Yeah. Don't be lazy. 
It's on Ask Jeeves already. It's 5.30 in the morning here. Uh, We cut back to a little scene that's intercut between Nancy and, uh, like, I guess her boss, co-worker, editor. I'm confused because she's 12. What did you call him? McDorcas? Well, yeah. Dorky McDorcas. Uh, She she is at Emerson College, right? So why is she doing the Hawkins High School newspaper with these? She's a senior in high school and she's already been accepted to that college. Oh. And Jonathan is waiting to get his acceptance letter to that college. Cause he graduated already. Yes. My mind is balloon. I thought, well, no, he, ha- I'm sorry. He has not graduated yet. He's also a senior, but he's oh, he's senior. like in shop, right? Yeah, he, yeah. He's a senior in that other California school. Sorry. Okay. Okay. So we get a little scene where basically Argyle's each of the opposite sex is telling either Jonathan or Nancy that their relationship is not as good as they think it is. Right. Like, and they're both like, why aren't you guys visiting for spring break? Right. What's yeah. Why aren't you visiting one another? It's a little shady, you know, and, uh, uh Argyle calls, uh, Jonathan mopey Dick. That was really <laughs> awesome. funny. That guy's hilarious. Um, and they both stick up for one another passionately. That's why I love them. Right. And it's, there's not even that I didn't get like a note or a hint of doubt in their speeches. Like you would normally get in a setup like this. No, no, she's great. Like there was none of that. It was mm-hmm. like this passionate you're wrong. So that was kind of refreshing. Let's just nip this in the butt. I'm sure it'll still like create some dramatic tension later in their relationship. But as for right now, it seems like, no, they're actually just really confident in it. Right. Um, and then uh, our hair, I just want to say his so hair is so long and it's so fine. So beautiful. At some point I kept thinking like, man, he's got a really large towel wrapped on his head. It's just kind of draped, but I'm like, Oh no, that's his hair. Hmm. It was weird. Cause it almost like didn't separate, you know, how hair kind of separates toward the end. It was, yeah, it's just, it was just very, it was just fine cool. and straight. Yeah. It's there. <laughs> it's a very large towel. That hair is there. <laughs> and we cut to Mike and Dustin hunting for someone to replace Lucas on the squad of the D and D, a substitute for Lucas the Hellfire be Club on the championship basketball game. Yep, he's not going to be able to make it. He's Even not though he, be able to make he's it. a bench warmer, he's a bench warmer, but he's got to be there to be cool, man. You all got to play your part. Uh, we already talked about the drug deal that comes up next, and then we cut back to L. She's getting an F on uh, a test. I assume that's English. Come on, we all know that was coming, <laughs> uh, but she ain't no snitch because right after that is the the fight we were talking about earlier. Uh, Angela comes out, knocks knocks out her her diorama, steps on it, makes fun of her, and uh, the teacher comes up and she she says, "I stripped because she ain't no snitch." But she does try to use her powers on Angela to no avail and looks really goofy because she's just pointing at her <laughs> yeah. and screaming. <laughs> and then the girl, I always think. I and Will's just watching like, ah, oh, shit, she did the hand thing. She did ah, the hand. Not that's going to take her months to get wow. over that. We're going to move again. <laughs> <laughs> then we cut back to the championship game uh, and there to sing the national anthem. Is Tammy Thompson? Fuck yes, let's that go. That was an awesome you call cut you reference from tell, season three. You can tell that was for the fans because all three of us watching the show together. <laughs> when they said Tammy Thompson, we all went, "Oh, Tammy Thompson! <laughs> she's she's such a dud. <laughs> she's such a dud. We're gonna hear her sing like an angel." And you know what? She didn't disappoint. She sounded like an angel that fell from heaven and hit every tree branch on the way down. <laughs> and she did indeed. And then her and Robin and Steve are mouthing to each other. She sounds like a Muppet. <laughs> And then we had that little conversation between uh, Robin and Vicky is the girl that she's crushing on. Yeah. She was trying to like, talk to her a little bit. Did you ask me a question? She's like, no. Yeah. That was adorable. <laughs> Leave me alone. That was adorable. And like during the Tammy Thompson singing. Yeah. So it was like this perfect 
uh, callback because uh, she used to have a crush on Tammy Thompson, as we all know. And then there's this great sequence intercut between the Dungeons and Dragons game and the basketball game because uh, Erica, Lucas's sister, is replacing him on the team. She's uh, Lady Applejack. Applejack, yeah. And uh, she's a level 14 rogue. Right. So she joins I, the team. I love the touch of of Erica coming in uh, where draped in the American flag. You can't spell America without Erica. All set to Tammy Thompson singing the national anthem like, ah, chef's great. kiss. It was a great moment for sure. Um, and, and, and so we get that intercut sequence of uh, the, the two games. They both end in victory based on the Sinclair's efforts. Uh, they win the D&D game and then, you know, Lucas has the winning shot in the basketball game. And there's this really great moment where they all leave their separate areas at the same time. One in the gymnasium, one in the little Dungeons and Dragons dungeon, I guess. And uh, and Lucas kind of looks over in sadness like, oh, I'm kind of missing out over there, even as elated as he is to have achieved his goal of being like the popular basketball guy. I think um, he was more sad that his friends didn't come and see him. that. Oh, and yeah. see that. Yeah. Sure. Because uh, I know the Duffers mentioned in interviews that this season is going to touch a lot on how like sometimes friend groups will go into high school and just because of the different activities you guys kind of take part in, you grow apart from your childhood friends and not necessarily because you guys are don't like each other anymore. It's just you take different paths and you start hanging out with different people. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's that. That's the read. That's the read. Um, you read the shit out of that, Steve. And then uh, we but. cut to to Max. She's cleaning up the beer cans from her mom and feeding the dogs that they apparently don't let in the trailer. And she's in a trailer park now, apparently right next to Eddie Munson. And then we see Eddie Munson bring uh, Chrissy Cunningham into his trailer. That He's looking for the ketamine. While he's trying to find it, she gets into an extended nightmare sequence where she can't. And we, we see from Eddie's perspective what that looks like. It's not like. I pictured she's running around the trailer, you know, and then would come back like crazy, come back too, right. She's standing stock still uh, with her eyes bouncing around and rolling back in her head. She's completely trapped in this dream state um, being chased by who we assume is Vecna. I'm sorry to any listeners that didn't watch the trailer, but you have watched this episode. Um, and so, yeah. And then she gets brutally crazy murdered, levitated onto the ceiling and yeah. her bones crushed and twisted somehow. Um, that was insane, and that was the that end. Was awesome, that was so dope. It, and, it was such a. Eddie's great... just standing there screaming, holding the ketamine. He's def, de- desperately going to need. I don't like need. this. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> to wake up now. Yeah, it was such a great like 1980s horror Freddy Krueger scene. Uh, just because from her perspective, she ends up leaving Eddie's tra- uh, trailer and is now in, I guess, I assume her home because she sees her dad, she sees her mom, and then she gets like stuck in the corner and um, uh, the Vecna character kind of just slowly lumbers in and he's all gross and covered in shadow, but you see enough of him and he says something like, uh, your suffering's at an end. And then he just kind of like puts his hand, his, his fucking giant, it's huge. His hand is huge. Monster hands. Just puts his giant hand. He was definitely on, on the upside down basketball team. Oh, he palmed her head. <laughs> just palmed it. Sam. And then just sort of squeezed his fingers. Yeah. And and just palming her head made her her physical body in the in our world slam up in the ceiling and get, you know, contorted in front of poor poor Eddie. Yeah, he's like, I don't know what's going on. This kid snapped her eyes, eyeballs literally popped out of her head. It was wild. Mm-hmm. It was wild. So what do you think is gorier, that or the uh, mind flare where everyone just kind of melts into 
meat sludge. That is because like one by the melt is almost comical to me. You know, it's like, wait, what, what is more gore to you? The season four, this. Okay. Okay. Cause I think the melting and melding into a creature is kind of just silly. And I'm goo. Sam Raimi ish, right? Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's, if they prolonged it more, it's grosser, but this is far more like unsettling. Oh yeah. Like, uh. bones can snap. Eyeballs can pop out or mm-hmm. pop in. Uh, but you can't melt typically challenge accepted <laughs> with the power to melt. So that brings us to our chocolate pudding segment. All right. I you, found the chocolate oh, what, pudding. what was that action figure TV show that, you, that was a deep cut. Yeah. That's good. Melt man. man with the power to melt. Yeah. Scuba diver, stinky diver, stinky diver. Oh, the, the Nickelodeon show. Yeah. yeah, and then the naked guy. Kablam! Yeah, kablam! kablam there it is. Yeah, that's what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why you were looking at me all crazy. All right, now it's time to find the chocolate pudding. Your top three favorite moments from the show, starting with number three, Andy. Uh, my number three is going to be the uh, intercut between Dust, Dustin and Erica both winning their perspe- respective games. Okay. Uh, I thought that that was really effectively done. Uh, I, I thought that uh, I, I thought for sure one of them was going to shit the bed and neither did. And it was really cool to to just the way that they bounce back and forth between it and uh, see these two groups uh, achieve their goals. They at the really same time and it, 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 they build up this high that immediately yeah. becomes this sad low, like right afterward. And just like the emotional roller coaster of the sequence of events was pretty great. For sure. Steve, you're number three. My number three is a scene between Eddie and Chrissy in the drug deal. Uh, just because it, it, uh, there's a lot of tension in the beginning of that scene, and then the way Eddie kind of cuts it and becomes this comical, charismatic self, you're like, man, I like this dude. Mm-hmm. I like him so much. You know what? I got twenty dollars. <laughs> I want to see his band. I want to see his band play. <laughs> what, what did he say? The band was something coffin. Ah, uh, I could, I didn't hear. She's first, like, how I could thought, I forget a name like that? And I was thinking, I didn't hear it. Yeah. At first, I thought he said Corona Coffin. I'm like, I, did, I thought I thought they said that too. Interesting choice. Maybe maybe so. I know they play on Tuesday nights. That's all I know. In front of five drunks. drunks. Yep. One Chris? of them is Max's mom. Uh, <laughs> oh, too soon. Uh, my number three is the very, very end in the trailer. What happens to Chrissy? Um, the horror sequence. I thought it was terrifying. I thought it was ramped up to 11. And uh, he went there. Uh, nice. It just makes me so excited for the future. It's the binge model. Most people couldn't help but watch the second episode right then and there. But we got a goddamn job to do. And uh, Andy, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is the uh, Chrissy's uh, bulimia bathroom sequence uh, where she's in there puking her balls up. Max is in there like, are you OK? And then uh, we get that uh, distorted mother voice. Uh, that was like the first true horror moment for me uh, in this uh, show and as you guys know I, I I jam with it I jam with the horror and so uh, the I love when uh, a horror movie takes a voice and then distorts it and then makes it deeper and weird I think of like stir of echoes like don't ask the boy any more questions talk to me you know uh, <laughs> it, shit's, uh, it shit always gives me chills and so the, the mom voice like honey are you okay I'll get you like a fucking fish I was like let's go I'm here for it. So, yeah, that's that was my number two. Steve, what's your number two? My number two is the introduction scene to Eddie Munson in the cafeteria. It was such a fun scene. You really get to see what that character's like. You could see Mike and 
uh, Dustin really in their element in a high school setting, which is interesting. And then even the like other Hellfire Club members, there's the 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 two the two normal looking dudes i don't know if they have names yet and then there's the one guy who looks like a 40 year old dude that's just in high school still you know which one i'm talking about the the john belushi of the group uh <laughs> like i love all those characters instantly but especially yeah, the one that's like over my dead body yeah, yeah. That dude. john belushi <laughs> uh I, I immediately loved all those characters and seeing dustin and mike kind of in adapting to high school in their own unique way was really cool and so yeah that's why i like that and there's going to be a common thread in my uh, top three that's a good, that's a great moment. My second favorite moment was the opening sequence, the scene that we got on uh, YouTube. Um, oh, that is a good, show. I just think it's so well shot and they, they did such a good job of not only introducing you to a key character mystery, um, and a fan favorite character from the first season. So they're just really trying to ramp it up your, your, your interest and your hype, which is why they released it on YouTube for anybody that was on the fence about whether or not they were even going to watch this for whatever reason. They were like, here, here, bitch, check us out. <laughs> uh, but also it, it let you know what they had in store right away. Like, Hey, this is, you know, they even had to put a disclaimer on it. You know, like this is, this is bad. <laughs> it's yeah. going to upset you. Uh, and that's where we're going to go this season. And uh, I appreciate that. You know, mm -hmm. take it. Let's start us there and then uh, take me down a little bit and then maybe back up, you know. So anyway, that's why I have those two moments on there, because I just think it's it's those are it's kind of a cop out to choose those two moments because there's a two obvious climaxes. But at the same time, I had to be honest, like this was crafted. Well, be okay? honest, Papa Bear. Andy, you're number one. Uh, there's a theme in mind too, Stephen. Uh, my number one is the ending, uh, the uh, horror sequence with Chrissy trying to uh, escape the uh, her, what was the trailer that becomes presumably her home, uh, running into her mom who's sewing, who turns around with demon face, her dad with the um, stitched face, uh, Vecna slowly creepily coming down the stairs he looked badass he looked awesome intercutting that with eddie who's freaking out trying to wake her up like uh he's playing it off comically but still scared and uh it's really affecting and then the straight up body horror death sequence that we get uh for that was it, it sets the stakes really well of like holy shit like you know it's been bad and like those demo dogs are going to get you, but like now it's going to be like, you're going to get snapped like twigs and like it, it's, it's sweet. Yeah. Because they, in the past it, they do kill you, but it's never seemed like they're going to mm -hmm. like, they have like these tiny little cactus teeth. And when they, even when they're, when they're biting Bob and it's terrible at the same time, it looks like, like they're just like scraping really his skin. Yeah, this stings. <laughs> you know what I mean? Ow. They're not, they're not taking chunks out Joyce, or anything. where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> Get them. Ow. Uh, yeah. So I agree with you there. And I love the design of Vecna, but at the same time, I hate his squishy feet so far. He's got like squishy Gumby feet. Yeah. He's got kind of like a group like, going on. Yeah. Or like an ent. That's what I was thinking. Like, uh. We are the guardians of the trees. Yeah, it's kind of Don't Groot feet, but they're squishy. <laughs> Don't be hasty, little hobbits. Um, yeah, that's. I wish he had. I don't know feet. Just that, maybe just put some fucking feet on him. Some kicks. He's got a face. Some kicks. <laughs> He's just wearing Jordans. Steve, what's your number one? My number one is Andy's number three, the the intercut uh, Hellfire Club game and uh, basketball game. Um, I really like the way they edited between the two different planes of actions. I really like how they brought Erica back. I think that's a character that um, 
I, you know, I was a little on the fence with, like I didn't hate her or anything by any chance, uh, stretch of the imagination, but I also wasn't sold on her. And, and just her coming in with the American flag and she's like talking trash and she's, she's like, she's embraced her nerddom. I really love that. Obviously Eddie Munson's there and I'm, I'm loving him already. I loved that the Sinclairs won, which these are two characters that I don't think get any real focus you know lucas is usually third or fourth fiddle in the group of boys and he had a big moment he won the championship game that's really cool and i really love how you take that juxtaposition and it's like oh he achieved this great amazing thing but none of his friends are there to see it and that's such a big i think that is a very seminal moment between these uh, characters relationships and i i look forward to seeing how that plays out in the episodes to come absolutely um that's my number one as well, sort of. Um, the uh, Erica Hellfire reveal, but specifically Tammy Thompson. Um, <laughs> Fuck yeah, my, Tammy Thompson. My favorite moment is Tammy Thompson, but not because of the reason you think Tammy being there was funny. She's such a dad. Uh, but I love that interplay between uh, Robin and Vicky and even Steve out there supporting her and, you know, making the Tammy jokes with her. Cause she's actually talking to Steve and Vicky overhears her and she goes, Oh, now I have a chance to talk to you. You know, um, no, never mind. <laughs> I thought that was really, really special. I, I'm in awe of my Hawk and the whole character of Robin. I, I like it very much. And, uh, but that whole sequence there, like that was definitely the height for me. Um, so that takes us to our egos. What did you guys find? Let's do this. This is all kind of willy nilly. So we yeah. just kind of, we, we throw them out there. Do we explain what Easter eggs are for? I did listeners? at the beginning, but okay. just, just, just in case, uh, they're Easter eggs. We call them egos, obviously because 11 loves egos. So all the little eighties references, maybe sometimes just a song that we can pick up. It might not even have anything to do with the eighties. It's just something neat that we thought they threw in for us to notice, uh, or any kind of other horror properties that we see threads of. Sometimes we're making it up. Sometimes, Sometimes it's, it's real old dumb shit from the eighties. It's it's not an Easter egg at all. It's just like like one of mine is uh, the old Crayola box for Eleven's modeling clay. It was <laughs> just the old Crayola logo. I, first thing I wrote down was the Walkman. Oh, I, I didn't catch. Well, I, I mean, I eventually wrote down Walkman, but it took me a minute. Like as soon as I, I she got off the bus with those headphones, I say like, it's got to be a fucking Walkman. Yeah. What would it be? A CD player? That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Steve? I, I wrote down Paperboy. I feel like that opening sequence. I don't remember what it means. No, I, I don't oh. know what it's from, oh. but I, I would almost guarantee that there's a Paperboy. Uh, a... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I got some popsicles in my two shit. Did I you got... ever play the video game Paperboy back yes. in the day? Hell yeah. So, Maybe. Go. I got some money for you in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you reach on in there and fish it out? <laughs> mm. I, did, I did play the. Uh, the Paperboy Nintendo game. That was awesome. Uh, I got one for you, Steve. California Dreamin'. Who sings that? Well, originally, Mama's and the Papas. But I don't know who was doing that cover. I don't either. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It was originally Mama's and the Papas. Yeah, but I don't know what the cover was. That, but Because that was definitely a cover song. Yes. I love the Mama's and the Papas. And you didn't know. I knew who the Mama's and the Papas were based on our impressed. trivia game. Yeah. So, ha! Yeah. Uh, even though I did think it was Thin Lizzy later and it was uh, Kiss. Whatever. Uh, there was a uh, Marlboro ad on the back of the, uh, I think it was Newsweek. Or I can't remember what the, the magazine. Yeah. The magazine. Newsweek. Yeah. And I, I was, uh, 
I, that's like the only little bit of smoking that we got in this, which is cool. It's like the Duffers giving a slight middle finger to Netflix. Like, you can't fucking smoke. Yeah, Joyce anymore. hasn't smoked yet. Oh, yeah. you, we and did see that Max was like, Mom, you fell asleep with your cigarette oh, lit again. Yeah. Putting it out. Nice. A metaphor mm -hmm. for we done with this. Yes. <laughs> Putting it out, baby. <laughs> Uh, I have a couple. Um, obviously, the Hellfire Club, I think, is a reference to the X-Men Hellfire Club. That's a group of villains. Did not that know that. World. That's cool. Uh, I saw the Reebok three box shoe box. The Reebok box. That the diorama is. Uh, How did she pronounce that? Diorama or something crazy. Something like diorama. that. Diorama. Did you roll, eyes roll into the back of your head? Yeah, I was like, we didn't need that. But it was <laughs> if that's all they do, that's fine. It's like, that's a tough word for her. It's like, yeah, she didn't. Nobody said that to her. Will didn't. Joyce, nobody. Yeah. She just read the word. Where'd she read it? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe she should pick up one of Joyce's encyclopedias. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Uh, Mike had some Pop-Tarts in the yeah. very beginning. He threw them in the in the toaster oven. We, st we still have Pop-Tarts, guys. Well, we still have Reebok, too. But. <laughs> yeah, okay. but when's the last fucking time you saw on TV a character putting them in the toaster? Yeah, who toasts a Pop-Tart? The Pop-Tarts are were like brand fucking new. That was new technology in the 80s. That's man. true. Yeah, it's true. They so. were like, you, you want that strawberry bullshit? No, you want brown sugar. <laughs> yeah, I did like the brown sugar and cinnamon, but I actually like strawberry ones too. I even like uniced ones and just put a little butter on them. Don't, just don't worry about it. I found butter. Uh, don't worry about it. I found Ego flavored ones butter. last month. <laughs> They're pretty good. They're pretty good. Don't be weird, Steve. Do you guys have any more? I have some. Yeah, I do. Keep going. You I'm guys waiting go. to see if you guys. Don't oh, get okay. in um, uh On the uh, phone booth that somebody used, there was graffiti that said "ET Phone Home." Oh, Andy's got Ooh, the eagle eye. Yeah. I didn't catch that one. It was pretty good. I can't remember who was on the phone booth. Dustin. Was, oh, okay. Yeah. He was calling Steve. Yes. Uh, speaking of Steve, they talk about uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Mm -hmm. They do. Uh, indeed. They talk about the boobies. The boobies. The boobies. Everyone loves boobies. Yes. According to Steve. No, I think he's <laughs> correct in that. Uh, Max was listening to Running Up the Hill by Kate Bush uh, on her Walkman. Is that who that was? Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. I think that was Kate Bush. Uh, let's see. When uh, the D&D, &D, the Hellfire group, decides to fight Vecna and uh, Dustin rolls, he rolls an 11, which is a miss. Oh, that's, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, a little, little Easter egg. Yeah. Nice. I think, well, again, the whole Dungeons and Dragons game is the foreshadowing of the whole season, right? For sure. Uh, so, so 11's going to miss. That's neat. Or just doesn't have the powers. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you mentioned this before, but Detroit Rock City plays. It's by Kiss. Uh -huh. uh, Dustin has a great uh, Lando. Or, no, it's not Lando. I'm sorry. It's a Han Solo line. He says, never tell me the odds. I was, is, I that was a literally line? sitting there trying to remember where that was from, but because C3P is always like, Oh, the odds of, yeah, I'm a little bitch bot. And he'd be like, Don't never tell me the odds. <laughs> pretty, pretty good impression. And uh, there was a song, so I don't know who what the band is, but the song's called I Was a Teenage Werewolf, and that's what's playing when they uh, <gasps> sit down to meet um, Eddie in the cafeteria. That's interesting because I wrote down Teen Wolf about the, the basketball scenes. I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of Teen Wolf, at least in this episode, especially with the Chad guy. He's kind of Michael J. Foxy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. 
I, I wrote it down. I don't that, know. That's in stone. There was also a Weird Owl reference. Uh, we've talked about that before. It was real brief, but I, I think Eddie brought it up to Dustin. Um, real obvious one, obviously. There's huge Freddy Krueger themes all throughout this. The the size oh, of Vecna's sure. hand is supposed to mimic the claws, especially in that shot where he's first coming down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his voice in the way that he talks in general. You know, I think Andy mentioned Evil Dead, which it very much is. But I think it's even more Freddy Krueger, the way that he... You, what's up bitch you know that's just how pretty Kruger was <laughs> well robert england is in the show and i don't might, know if i know I, I looked really hard in that face and all i could see was yeah. crypt keeper he, he's listed in imdb as playing a character named victor creel so i don't know if he's vecna or not so. right but but he is in this, and I think this whole season is going to be nonstop Freddy Krueger. Yes, and I the mean, whole like dream dream sequence, sequence thing is is that's Krueger all the super, way. Super super Krueger. Yeah. I have a big and one. The way I, that the girl died at the end that was straight up Nightmare on Elm Street, where that's one of the best death scenes in the first Nightmare on Elm Street, where the girl gets ripped out of bed and up to the ceiling, to the gets corner, tor- torn apart up on the ceiling. It's, it's badass. Yep. So that was a big one for me. So I caught one that I, I might have made up, but if it's if it's real, I'm super proud of it. I don't because okay. I don't think even the great Steve caught it. I, I clearly didn't because I already you out. I'm out. So I'm pretty sure at the end. Oh, God, I hope I'm not wrong. This will be so embarrassing. At the end <laughs> for starship at the end of <laughs> Tammy Thompson's national anthem, it becomes Jimi Hendrix guitar solo cover of the national anthem. Oh. Cut to Erica draped in the American flag as Jimi Hendrix was draped in the flag Shit, at the end of that right. solo. I forgot about him. Boom. Dude, you're absolutely right. Way to fucking go. <laughs> I got one that even tops that, though. Oh, shit. Oh, oh goddamn. I'm coming at you. You ready? Don't come, come at, at me, bro. Winona Ryder was sent a Russian doll, which is a Netflix property. <laughs> Get the fuck out, Andy. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not, little, wrong. Little, you're not wrong. Natasha Leone Easter egg guys. Come yeah, on, baby. All right, Steve. The most important thing, the thing they've all been waiting for. Please read the Mad Lib that we accidentally created at the beginning of this episode. <clears throat> Allow me to read you. Where's Will? Mike, Steve and Lucas didn't find it too crispy when Will wasn't in school that morning, but they couldn't believe that their zebra was missing that day. Ooh. The the unusual grail of radios, the Carmichael ham shack, had finally arrived. But before they could really test flip it, the principal and two cans came bearing bad news. Oh, don't you hate it when cans? (laughs) (laughs) The principal had two cans. (laughs) Bad news, these cans will help you. This is bad. (laughs) Everyone loves boobies. Will was quintessential. He never made it home after their Dungeons and Peacocks This is like 11 game. wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> their Dungeons and Peacocks game last night. The boys were instructed to cook. A little DMP. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. The boys were instructed to cook straight home after school and stay out of it. But Mike couldn't stop worrying about his lingerie. <laughs> How could they sit at Saudi Arabia and do nothing? 
Then it hit him. When Will was faced with the Demogorgon in their campaign last night, he could have cast a tower to protect only himself and play it safe. Instead, he cast a cellar ball and risked it all to protect his friends. In that moment, Mike knew that Will needed him to run to it all, too. He grabbed his walkie flippity gibbets <laughs> and signaled Lucas. They were going to seduce their friend. <laughs> and that concludes Where's Will? Wow. 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 Owen Wilson dropped by and listened to the whole bad lib. They're going to seduce their friend. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, that's all the time we have for the Hellfire Club. Tune in uh, immediately if you want to. I don't know what your life's like, but uh, we're going to be re- recapping episode two right after this. And then three, probably four, I would guess five, and then six and seven. And then we got to wait a month for the finale. But thank you for tuning in. For new listeners, welcome and hello. For old listeners, you're getting old. Mm-hmm. Uh, tune in soon. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this was Streaming Things. Happy streaming. Dr. B, welcome back. Please help us thank our patrons. Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. Yeah, I'm here. (laughs) Hi, I was just drawing a dog. I thought that was a cow. Mm. Well, uh, security, (laughs) have this man escorted out. I have patrons to thank. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Carmelita. Thank you, Carrie. Oh, thank you, Enza. Thank you, Cake. Thank you, Cake. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Jimmy. Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you, Elo. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, Shay. Thank you, Stephen uh, Five. Thank you, A. Wells. And in all that time I read these names, I've been doing a crossword puzzle. And it's finished. It's finished. You know what the word uh, three down is? (laughs) What is it? R.I.P. Daniel? Oh, Ted. Okay. (laughs)